Let's, uh, let's start with uh, just a quick word of prayer. God, I, I pray in this moment, Father, this moment that is being recorded and it is really being recorded for a future moment, Father, would you speak now? Would you speak through a camera, an iPhone? Father, would you speak at the beach? Would you speak um, in a living room, in a kitchen, over breakfast? Would you speak? Um, Father, you meet us where we are at. And so, Father, wherever this is being watched, Holy Spirit, you fill this place. This is yours. Would you reach in? Would you touch? Would it be your time? In your name, Jesus, amen. I've been reading this book, uh, Abe Lincoln on Leadership, and, uh, and I learned a factoid that uh, I was D's get degree, so I didn't really realize this in, in high school. Uh, but this little factoid that when Abe Lincoln, after his election, uh, his inaugur- on his inauguration day, that 10 days prior, uh, Jefferson Davis was sworn in, and uh, on his election, or on his inauguration day, the 10 states has, had already seceded from, from the Union, and I just assumed that he walked in, and the mess was created, and bada bing, bada boom. And yet he walked into a mess. So I find out this little factoid, uh, and it doesn't have a huge impact on my life outside of I find it interesting. So I was misguided, but not not a giant impact. My kids this week, or last week that is, uh, my kids last week wanted to open up an Etsy store. They wanted to open up, make some money, and uh, and so they were going to start selling T-shirts. They're going to make homemade T-shirts and uh, sell them for five dollars. And they were calculating how many shirts they would have to have to make in order to get $5 a t-shirt, in order to, to buy a certain toy, and they were going through all this. I was like, whoa, 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 like, you're going to need to sell a whole lot more t-shirts, and what about, like, your inventory? You're going to have, have to have a whole bunch of t-shirts. I was like, your, your profit loss, and, and t-shirts are going to cost this, and all of a sudden they were like, what do you mean profit loss? You're buying us the t-shirts, and we're selling it. I was like, mm, that's not how this works, and so that, that misunderstanding being misguided there had, had a mild impact, they, yet they don't have an Etsy store. We can be misunderstood, we can, we can be misguided, and, and the examples I give don't have a huge impact. But misunderstanding Jesus, when we fail to understand Jesus, we head down a road, we, 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 we go down a road that is, we could say, is a bad direction. And it leads to an end result that is a bad end result. To, be, to misunderstand Jesus and to go down a journey that starts with a misunderstanding can lead to a fatal ending. What do you make of Jesus? I have my doubts. 2020 has brought times of doubt in my faith. And so I look to things to, to, to speak into my doubt. And I, one of the things that I, I, I commonly come back to is the fact that when I look at my life, when I look at my life's work, when I look at that, that this, is, this is everything to me, and I get to the point where I question, is, am I misunderstood? Is this all worth it? A small little thing that I look at is he had, he had 12 homeboys that knew of his death and his resurrection and to date, at 37 years old, nobody's ever come to me and said, yeah, but so-and-so before he died said, just kidding, it's all, it's all a joke. They, no one's ever shown me proof of a disciple that said, just kidding. The truth is, he died. 
died, rose again, and that there are men and women that went to the grave for that. I, I trust what I know of Jesus and that it's going down the right direction. Today, I want you to see how, how Christ followers, some Christ followers, a story, and how some of them were misled, and how that they were mis, not misled, I shouldn't say like that, but they had a misunderstanding of Scripture. They had a misunderstanding of Jesus, and a failure at the start leads to a failed journey. They're on a literal journey, and there's misunderstanding, and it just leads to a scene that it's chaotic. Faith has a starting point. This is how the text goes in, uh, in Luke. It says, that very day, two of them were going to a village named uh, Emmaus, and about seven miles, that's about a two and a half hour walk uh, from Jerusalem. Uh, and they were talking with each other about the things that had happened. This is after Jesus' death, after, uh, after his death in a, in a wild weekend. Uh, while they were talking and together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. They're traveling on a road, and all of a sudden, a third, a third person joins along with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they said, and they stood looking sad. Hope has left them. They're downcast. Then one of them, named Cleopas, said, answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that has happened there these days? Like, imagine saying that to Jesus. Do you know what happened this past weekend? Yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> and, and so they said to him, they, so he said to them, Jesus said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was a prophet, prophet, mighty indeed, in word, before God and all people, and how, and how the chief priests, they know that, the chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we, remember they were sad? We had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they, uh, that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not, but him they did not see. Resurrection. They, they were hoping to actually see the body because this is an unbelievable story. They're on a two-hour walk and they're thinking about the, the events of the weekend, the events of the day. They're reasoning together. They're talking. In the Greek, it would say that this was a strong debate. This is an intense talk. They're, they're giving an account of Jesus' death and and they, they talk about it as, as we had hoped something would happen and hoped left us. Hope, hope no longer is a part of what we, were, what we have going on in our lives. Can you relate to that? Yes, it's 2020. We hoped. And for many of us, this hasn't turned out as we planned. And hope has left us. This didn't happen because they didn't see it right. They start off by saying more than a prophet, they, they, that he was a prophet. But Jesus is more than a prophet. He, he's great. Like, they're close, but it's, he's so much bigger than, than, than a prophet. There's, you can tell right away that there's a hole in, in their thinking. But, but yet they know of his mighty works. 
They know of the Pharisees' involvement. They, they know that the resurrection is supposed to happen. They know that there's already some supposed eyewitnesses, but they've yet to see the body. They have done more research. They have more info than, than most anybody else. But they failed to understand the mission. They failed to understand the mission. Their problem is spiritual, not intellectual. Hope has left them. Why? Because kings that are establishing kingdoms, they don't die and get, you know, and be, they're not crucified. How can a dead king rule a kingdom? They had expectations of, of society, social, political, economic, and, and it's all failed to materialize when hope dies and stays dead. But little do they know, little do they understand that the true king stands before them. They're their faulty thinking, their faulty perspective. And yet Jesus is right in front of them. The true king is there. A quote I read this week is this. Hope is like a window pane. It's clear enough, but if your focus is off, you can only see what's behind you. Hope is like a window pane. It's clear enough, but if your focus is off, you can only see what's behind you. We walk up to a counter, and we do this now, right? Like, this is now a common thing for us. <laughs> we walk up to it, like, this is, like, this is not an un, like, this is a scene we see all the time. I can see the camera. I can see Graham back there playing on his phone during church. And I can, I can see all sorts of things as I look through this, this, this window pane. But as I look at it, I can take my focus off of Graham, what's behind the, the window, and I can see myself talking. That's fun. I can see Gabe back there. He's an Apple fan with his Apple computer because Androids are terrible. I can, I can see things. When I take my focus off, I, I, can, I can shift my focus. And if, if Jesus is supposed to be in front of me, if Jesus is, is, is supposed to be right here, and I take my focus off, all I see is everything behind me. And if I'm looking at what is behind and not as what is ahead in the Christian perspective, I lose all hope. So what Messiah are you looking for? Were you looking for a Messiah that was going to be a financial fix? Are you looking for a Messiah that was going to be a relational fix? Are you looking for a Messiah that was going to be this life fix or this job fix or this fix, this fix, this fix? That's why you went to the Messiah. Things haven't panned out and so you've lost hope. Jesus is for naught. But what if Jesus does want to be the fix to all of those things, but it's not to come to him to be the fix for this. It's to come to him and say, embrace me, all of me, and in me you will have life. Don't embrace me to be the fix here. Embrace me to embrace me. Our text goes on to say, and he said to them, oh foolish ones, a little, a little mild rebuke there. And, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary, necessary, necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses, the beginning of scripture, and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them in all of the scriptures the things concerning himself concerning Jesus. You see, he starts at the end, or at the beginning, 
And what is he saying? All the things concerning himself. You foolish ones, you believe some things, but not all things. He goes to scripture and says, let me give you an understanding of Messiah. And specifically that the Messiah, that it was necessary for him to die, to suffer. You want, Cleopas, you want, you want hope? Hope had to suffer. You can't have resurrection without a death. It demanded his kingdom. The type of king he was to enter into glory was going to require death and suffering. So that as he rose, he would bring life. We do value at Wellspring generosity. And that's not just something that we want to value as a church to say we're going to go out into the community and be generous. That's something for everyday Christians to be generous. Why? Because I want to live like Jesus. The kindness of the Lord leads to repentance, it says in Romans. And so if my kindness can be like Christ's kindness at some level, not the level, but if I can be kind and point people to Jesus, if my generosity can point people to a generous God, I want to do that all the stinking time. And so Jesus in this, in this text paints a picture of a generous, or of a generous king, a generous, a generous Messiah who would suffer, who would die, and yet hope would remain because he would come back sealing our eternity, paying for our sin, the death that is over us for our sin. He dies and he pays, pays for. And he goes throughout the whole scriptures and says, every word of this book is about the Messiah. It points to Jesus. He looks at this book and says, I am the subject. I am the hero. It's all about me. Is your faith only rooted in personal experience? Or is your faith actually built on the person of Jesus Christ as revealed through the word of God? I went to England a few years ago uh, when the, uh, on a missions trip when there, uh, the Olympics were there. One of the things we did was we went to a park. I was with some youth and, uh, and we were street witnessing. And I, I met this guy who was about 30 years older than me. And uh, he... He was, he, you could tell he had done some drugs, and uh, maybe that day or maybe in his past, and he, I think he just really loved the Beatles back in the day. And, uh, and so uh, he, he was wearing like ACDC at this time, he was wearing the rock and roll stuff, and I just struck up a conversation and asked him some questions about Jesus, and, and he was just telling me about like this theory, this theory, this theory, this theory, and, and I got to the point after he was talking probably for like an hour and a half. It was a very long conversation about all these things that he believes and why he believes in it and, and, and whatnot. And I was like, I interrupted him at one point and I was like, dude, you don't even know what you want with your life and you're in your 60s. When is it time to stand on something firm? Now, to be fair, that's not a great street witnessing tool. You shouldn't make fun of somebody to point them to Jesus. And... But my, my point, and he took it, we, we had, had a good conversation at that point. My point was this. Where are you basing all of this heebie-jeebie stuff on? What's your source of truth? When I'm talking to people about Jesus, I say that often. Like, what is your source of truth? So how would you answer this? What do you believe about the afterlife? What do you believe about Jesus? And my question right now, as you start thinking about that in your mind, is where does that come from? Who is Jesus? And then you're, is, it, is it based on, on your atheist hypothesis? 
high school uh, history teacher's uh, uh, definition of who Jesus was? Your mom and dad, what they told you, good or bad? Is it, is it a compilation of, of, of many drunken nights that ended in a spiritual conversation? And this is how you know about the afterlife. Is it from the Google search that's, that, that started with proof that Jesus never dot, dot, dot. And now I know when you die. And the research is over because you can't do any more research. And all the money is gone. And every, everything you bank truth on better be right. So what is the source behind your answer of who is Jesus? And so the, the text goes on. And, and, and so they drew near to the village which they were going, that seven-mile-away journey. Uh, and he acted as if he were going further. Uh, but they urged him, to strong, or urged him strongly, to, uh, strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's uh, toward evening. And the day is now spent. And so he went with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread and he blessed it, uh, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him and he, sa- and he vanished from their sight. <laughs> Crazy scene. And they said to each other, did our hearts not burn within us? Well, we, well, he talked to us on the road. And well, he opened up to us the scriptures. Now Luke doesn't explain like what it was about the scene that opened up their eyes. Is, is it when he, he reached out with bread and perhaps his cloak came up and they see the nail-pierced marks? Perhaps he's breaking the bread and maybe they were at the feeding of the 5,000. They're like, Jesus just had a breaking bread style and maybe that, that triggered them. But whatever it is, they, their eyes are opened up and their risen Savior is there before them. He reveals himself not in the pew, not at the altar. He reveals himself at a dinner table. The simple aspects of life. Everyday life. Jesus, after, after he rose from the grave, was only on earth for 40 days. And one fortieth of his time was spent with these two individuals. He's at home in everyday life, everyday activity. Jesus didn't force himself upon them. Because Jesus likes to be sought, he likes to be desired, and he comes upon two people having a conversation, earnestly seeking after him. And they found him in everyday life. Everyday life. I walk to the bay most every single morning. I have my my routine. And this past Monday, I'm walking to the bay, and I get to a a section, kind of a crossroad. And and usually right around that time, the Bible that I'm listening to, my sections for the day, uh, it usually concludes. And uh, and then I I, I pull out my phone, and I I put on Spotify and go to the Wellspring Worship Playlist. And I listen to a song or two by the time I get to the bay. And then I sit at the bay and listen to some more worship. And then I come back and I pray. And that's been like my routine for some time now. And I, and I get to the point my Bible reading is over. And I, I pull out my phone and I, go, I put on Spotify. I go to the worship playlist. And, and all of a sudden Shore, it was Shores that came on. And I got a line in and just God just kind of wrecked me with like pull the earplugs out. And just walk with me. Uh, break the routine. And uh, which is a big deal for me, and so I did. I listened to like a line, and then instantly put put it in my fanny pack. Uh, took my earbuds out, put it in my fanny pack, because uh, everyday normal people wear fanny packs. And uh, and so I did that, and and then I just walked, and I noticed 
man, this is kind of a scary street when, the, when it's dark. <laughs> and uh, I noticed things about Bruin. I noticed when I got to the bay, I just sat there and noticed, like, the colors. And I noticed what, what really hit me is for the first time, I think, ever, I, I literally saw a fish pop out of the water and pop back in. And uh, I noticed it, and I sat there, and I was like, man, like, no one else is around. Like, that was cool. And only I on planet Earth just saw that. And it reminded me of Jesus. It reminded me of, in his own way through nature, how much he is there, how much he is there to be noticed. It's amazing how when we slow down, it's amazing how when we stop what we're doing, that Jesus just is there. Where might God be trying to reveal himself to you? And why aren't we seeing it? What aspects of everyday life have we overlooked? Or are we even looking? Might he be there and we're just simply not seeing him because we're simply not looking? Did you take last week's challenge? Are, 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 you, are you funneling things through and looking at that, that, man, I've been saying no to this, this, and this. Okay, great. But has it opened up time for Jesus? Is it, is it that no that empowers the yes, the yes to sitting at the feet of Jesus? Are you seeing him now in everyday life as you open up everyday life? I don't think that you need to come to church to meet Jesus, although you should be able to meet Jesus at church. I think Jesus is there to be found in everyday aspects of, of life simply by putting the focus on him. A Jesus who is everywhere in spirit is there to be found when you simply focus in. And so here's what happens now as the scene concludes. They, they rose from the, that same hour, that same, like that moment, and they returned to Jerusalem about a seven-mile walk, and they found the eleven, and those uh, with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed. And he has appeared to Simon, talking about Simon Peter, Simon, uh, the, the guy that betrayed him, feeling pretty down in the dirts right now. Um, Denied him, not betrayed him, denied him. And, they, and then they told what had happened and on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. They, 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 they talk about everything from the scene. There are times where God seems so far away when in fact he is closer than ever. There are times when God seems so far away. And yet, He's closer than ever. These disciples started the day off confused and sad and discouraged. They started the day off where they had lost all hope. And by the end of the day, the same events that brought initial discouragement now brings them hope. Now it puts them on mission. Their despair turned to delight when they met the risen Savior. They got up, they meet Jesus, and they don't sit, they don't sit around and sing kumbaya. They get up and they walk that seven miles. It's been a long day. They're traveling at night. It is dangerous. They get up right away and walk 
that seven miles. Why? Because they have good news. They have a story to tell. They have all the motivation they need because they have met the risen Savior. And they go and they tell 11 of his closest friends who are without hope. They're telling Peter who just denied him and needs to know Jesus is alive. And so they go. Their story, their experience with the risen Jesus was to bring hope to another. Monday, a long week, a long day, a long summer, a long life, a long year, a let da da. Monday night, I go into a missions meeting where we're deciding between uh, going to Poland or going to Brazil on a, on a missions endeavor for the next three years and uh, B- BT dubs, not BT dubs, well, whatever. Uh, we're going to be going to Brazil. That's going to be cool. And uh, I'm speaking Portuguese. Hola. And, uh, and so, I don't, where am I going? What am I doing? Uh, well, the, we, anyway, oh, I'm at this missions meeting. And, and there's this girl on our team. And, and, and she's, she met us because we were at the Halloween parade showing kindness, and then she's had this journey with Wellspring. It's been a journey with her faith. It's been up, it's been down, it's just been life. And, um, but she's hung in there. She hasn't given up on her God. She hasn't given up on us. She hasn't punked out when maybe punking out was what a normal person would do. She's hung in there. Um, she, she got involved with a take-two relationship. If you went to our website, you would see on one of the tabs it says take-two, where people are, can get involved and, and be mentored by somebody for a year and, and go through the whole scriptures and, and, and be invested into. She, she chose to do that, and she's now connected with Lower Milan. They're walking through scriptures and meeting once a month. And the Quinn that I met, who was in my living room three years ago after a Halloween parade, and the Quinn that that night prayed, Lord, send me anywhere I need to go. Um, Lord, your name needs to be heard. I'll go. Um, Like, how does that not rock you? Like, how does that not say, like, man, this feels pretty hopeless, but there's a story of life change that encourages me to go forward. Many of us know truth. What has it sparked? Where is it going? What's the purpose? What are you doing with it? My big thought that I think this, this story, that, that the road to Emmaus or whatever you want to call it, what I think this, this text really drives at is that the right directions need the right starting point. They, they are literally walking down a road... <laughs> They have these feelings and thoughts about Jesus and about the whole thing. They're discouraged. They have no hope. Why? Because their mind and the journey has, has, has a, they have enough truth, but they have some gaps. And now they're despaired because they, they weren't starting from the right place. They weren't starting from the beginning. Seeing Jesus through it all, the right directions need the right starting point. You think about their weekend, their weekend turned upside down. Their weekend was a whirlwind. The week before, Jesus is riding in, glory, glory, Hosanna, Hosanna, he's praised. And then a week later, 
He's hanging on a cross and he's dead. Hope dies if Jesus stays dead. But on Sunday, he comes back to life. They don't yet realize it. They're walking, they're talking, and they're rationalizing. But to their credit, they're having a conversation. To the credit, they're debating. And guess what? In talking and putting the focus on Jesus, even where there are some gaps, guess what? Jesus met them there. And I believe if you right now put the focus on Jesus, I believe with all of my heart, he will meet you. So I want to make a few challenges, but my initial challenge is this to you right now. This week, stop. Go to the feet of Jesus. Go to a journal. Go take out your phone and get into your notes app and write down this question. What do I make of Jesus? If you're a Christian, awesome. Do this. And then turn on the Spotify worship playlist, the Wellspring worship playlist, and just have a dance party worshiping after you've said, what do I make of Jesus? But if right now there is a gap here, a gap here, think about it. Identify those gaps. I believe that Jesus will meet you there. I believe as you start a conversation that Jesus wants to have that conversation with you. Life has turned upside down for many of us over the last five months. And so I'm inviting you into a conversation. The action point is this. Would you take that conversation? My my second challenge, I'm going to make one more after this. My second challenge is this. Challenge 2.0. Jump into a life group. Starting this week, all of our life groups are going to become starting points. It's a thing that we do all the time at Wellspring. And uh, that we try to launch them all the time. And so even if you've been through starting point and now you're in a life group, great. That's what we hope for. Uh, And if not, if you've ever been through starting point, you've been waiting, uh, great. Now's your time. Sign up for a life group. Right now, there will be a link hopefully below. Uh, You can sign up. We we have some on multiple nights. We have one that's Zoom, and you can do that. And uh, we're going to start an eight-week conversation about Jesus. It's a guided conversation. The focus is on the gospel. The focus is on Jesus. I want to invite you into that conversation because every time I do starting point, every time I lead a starting point, I always get something out of it. And I believe you will. My last challenge is is this. We give out a reading plan. I believe we can link that into the comments below is tackle the reading plan. The reading plan is, as I look at the scripture, and we put five passages of of scripture, and we encourage our people to read every week five passages of scripture. Would you do that? Would Would you search through the scriptures over these next eight weeks as we tackle this series on starting point? Would you over the next eight weeks do the the reading plan and, and find Jesus through his word? The word he left for us to find him through. Carl Barth is a, uh, is a theologian, uh, was a theologian, and uh, in 1962 he was traveling around uh, lecturing uh, across America. And uh, at the University of Chicago in 1962, he was at uh, Rockefeller Chapel on the campus of, uni- of the University of Chicago. He got done his lecture and he had a, a Q&A, and uh, a student asked him, 
He said, uh, could you summarize the whole Bible, your deep study of the Word of God, could you summarize it into one, one sentence? And uh, great question for somebody well studied of the God's Word. And Carl Barth is, is allegedly said to have said something like this. He said, yes, I can. In the words of the, of the song that I learned when my mo- on my mother's knee, asked if you could summarize all of this into one phrase, he says this. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. And I believe with all my heart, and it's why I am still here, that Jesus loves you. I don't know what you did this morning. I don't know what you did last night. And I don't care. Because every man, woman, and child on earth needs Jesus. He's a risen Savior who died for your sin, for my sin, so that we could have relationship with God for all of eternity. And so as I close, I invite you to pray with me and say yes to a risen Savior, the starting point to the Christian faith. Lord, right now in this moment, as people watch through a screen, you are powerful enough to tug on a heart, tug on a mind, tug on a soul. And so Jesus, right now, as people watch, would you tug in a way where they can't escape it? Where if they want to start that relationship with you, they know that right now is the moment. And if that is you, I ask that you would simply, in the quietness of your home, the car, the beach, the park, wherever you are, would you stop and would you pray? Dear Jesus, I am sorry for my sin. The thought of my sin breaks me, and I know I am not perfect. I know I need to own it, and I do. I believe that it deserves to be punished, and I believe that, God, you punished Jesus in my place and then rose him from the grave so that I wouldn't stay dead, but I would have life with him. You love me. I don't necessarily understand why, but I believe it. I believe your son died for me, paying for all of my sin. I want to have life with him now and forevermore. In your name, amen. If you prayed that, you can shoot me an email, jason at wellspring.one, or there will be a link below that you can fill it out. I said yes to Jesus, and we want to reach out. We want to mail you a Bible and some other information. And I want to invite you, if, it's, if your only thing is online, then join a life group. Join the Zoom life group. But start that conversation and go deeper and go deeper and go deeper and go deeper. You'll never be able to exhaust the depths of Jesus' love for you. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Toms River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.